Welcome in, welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina's Own to Beat Live. Three-person crew tonight, for a little while at least, and we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Uh, somebody in the chat said there is no basketball in September. Well, if you're the ACC, you decide to drop your basketball schedule in late September um, ahead of a early November start. We'll get to that a little bit after the break. But I've got Evan Rogers and Jeremiah Holloway with me. Adam Smith working on that basketball story. Jeremiah, we were talking off air um, as we get rolling. And don't forget, y'all are both muted, but Everybody, uh, at, at least I want to hear about the Pittsburgh experience because I love that place. It's a great place to go, and Carolina had some success on Saturday night. Just how was your uh, trip to Pitt with the inside Carolina crowd? Yeah, the trip to Pittsburgh was cool. It started very early. Uh, it started at the RDU on Friday morning. That was the longest TSA line I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen it like that at the RDU. It was like backed all the way up to like it literally. Um, so let's say the TSA line, you know, the visual might not make any sense, but let's say the TSA line, TSA line starts like right here. It's like a line that went, you know, out to the right of it, looped all the way up, looped all the way again. It was ridiculous. We did make the flight. I wasn't sure if we would. Uh, but yeah, so Friday I got to walk around a little bit. And I was introduced to this uh, little species of um, this invasive species called uh, spotted lanternflies. I had never heard of it. Um, apparently, it's like this this foreign, uh, uh, you know, brand of bugs. I guess they were just like uh, everywhere, very harmless. But I thought that was funny. But um, nah, man. So you know, uh, me and Jim, obviously Hawkins and 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 Adam, we got to hang out there Friday night. You know, grab some dinner um invest, that's actually what jim said jim said to invest in the tsa free check um, <laughs> I, I can imagine he was waiting <laughs> sipping wine that was the for first thing <laughs> dude we got we're at the gate that was the first thing this man said he was like look this tsa you know you gotta you gotta get through it um but now nah, the trip there's you know safe flight and everything um so really cool see i was just talking to evan and tommy uh it's a very interestingly constructed city uh, for, I guess, a number of reasons. You know, obviously that's the, you know, kind of the steel, you know, kind of the home of, you know, the steel. And what they've done is they've built a lot around it um, just over the years. So it's like, you know, you'll look and there's this like big target, but then, you know, you'll go like, you know, five blocks or whatever. And it's like this old abandoned like warehouse or whatever. So like it's that type. Obviously the game, everybody saw the game. Um, it's a really cool stadium, um, you know, so yeah, it was a, it was a good trip overall. It was a little tiring on the way back, you know, but um, it was a very, it was a very good trip. I'm sure Adam can share his uh, stories as well. Also, shout out to my friend uh, Raji who goes to Carnegie Mellon, showed me around the city a little bit. So I do have to throw that shout out in there as well. Nice, uh, you got the full Jim Hawkins effect, I'm sure. Sure did. <laughs> if y'all got there early Friday morning, Evan, you and I were in uh in studio along with jo Joey Powell talking about a little football game and like we mentioned it was pouring outside the studios at chl 
Um, somebody watching the show said they were going to show up and hold a sign up behind us. Never showed up. Folks at away games um, were usually in studio at the same time. So come by and stand outside kind of like uh, Good Morning America or whatever those shows were. But, Evan, let's get into this ball game and this start of North Carolina. They're 4-0. I think Buck Sanders is the only one of the inside Carolina crowd that had North Carolina four and zero at this point. At this point, are you surprised? And is it surprising? Because the would they have Drake May, and their defense has shown up some. It's not really surprising they're four and zero at this point, is it? Yeah, I was I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, uh, looking at Drake May's stats. And right now, I think Drake's got a five to four touchdown to interception ratio. And if you had told me at the beginning of this year, through four games, Drake May's touchdown to interception ratio would have been five to four, I would have thought there's no chance that this team would be four and up. Um, but that kind of just speaks to how different this team feels and really is this year from last year. I mean, this is a team that through four games has really shown that they can win with Drake being Drake with the Minnesota game and, and into the pit game to an extent. Uh, they've shown that they can win with the run game showing up against app and they've shown that they can win with the defense showing up against South Carolina. So watching the team in itself kind of show shades of different ways that they can win. It doesn't surprise me that they're four at this point in time. And it's really interesting to see how far this team can really go when when you think about it from the offense to the defense to the special teams, there really hasn't been a day a game where UNC has really put everything together and shown what it can be at full capacity. Jeremiah, when you look at the team, first of all, I want to ask, so I hadn't been in a press box in a while. I used to cover a ton and you got to be all official and you can't cheer, even though some away games you go and they're cheering like crazy. I mean, it's, it's weird, but Drake may makes a left-handed throw for a touchdown to a wide open Kobe Pesor. What is everybody up in the box saying at that moment? Because yeah. I know what I said at home. What were they saying in the box? Yeah, well, real quick, because you brought it up, I thought it was funny. Uh, the first thing, one of the first things that the PA guy, I guess in the press box, actually said, he literally made a point, no cheering in the press box. It will not be tolerated. I thought that was kind of funny. So it's funny you brought that up. When he hits that left-handed pass, um, it's, it's just kind of like, did he just do that? Like that was just that was kind of the feeling right there. Like, did he just do it? Because when you look at the play, Drake is rolling out, obviously to his left, and he puts out a stiff arm. So like he literally tucks the ball, puts out a stiff arm. So I'm not even thinking he's gonna throw it. I barely even noticed Pesor is even open in the end zone. I'm really not even thinking about it. Uh, and so he just kind of has to readjust and, and just chuck it in there. So everybody, you know, it wasn't a lot of like, you know, like if we were watching it at home. Probably would have been a different reaction, but you know, when you're when you're looking at it in a press box, maybe it's more like you know, just trying to just see it and take it for what it is, I guess. But like, I'm sure everybody in their mind was like, I mean, even me personally, I'm just like, this dude just do it. And this wasn't even just like a shovel pass. It would have been one thing if it's like you know, little shovel pass, but it's like a it's a seven yard throw with the offhand. Like that's a that's a significant play, um, you know. And this was after, if I remember correctly, this was actually after, yeah, this was after he took that big roughing the passer hit. It was a different drive, but it was UNC's next drive. So in other words, uh, he had the rushing touchdown after he took the roughing the passer. Then uh, Elijah Huzzy had the kick return touchdown. 
then it was that drive. Um, so, you know, you're just, you're just looking at it and you're like, you know, just not even thinking that's something that he's pulling out of the bag. ESPN put up their little graphic of like, you know, here's Drake May with his right hand stats versus his stats with his left hand, you know, that the obligatory, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, everybody saw that play in the press box was, you know, uh, certainly surprised that he would, you know, even have the ability to do that and even just think to do that. And I kind of wonder how you even think to just, you know, most guys would even try to go ahead and do the, uh, you know, kind of off the wrong shoulder or off the wrong foot or whatever, but he just somehow had the left hand throw just ready to go. Yeah. He, uh, it looked like that was, it was something he'd thought about before. It's funny (laughs) on one of the touchdowns. And I mentioned this on the day after he's rolling and he ends up running it in for a yard, but the, the defensive back never came off the receiver. And then the defensive uh, back comes off the receiver and he makes the throw. I mean, and that's what people were down on Drake. Evan, you mentioned the five to four touchdown ratio. That He's just making plays that uh, very experienced NFL guys make. Now, obviously, the left-hand throw is another thing altogether, but he just looks to me as a different type of guy He's not uh he's not making the the killer mistakes he made late last year, so it's interesting to watch Evan. When we talk about this team being four and zero, sort of in spite of those numbers, so why are they? Why why in your opinion is this team four and zero? Is it the defense? Is it the run game? Combination of all of it? Sort of give me your spiel of the first four games. Certainly a combination of everything, but I think the biggest thing that that seems to be different about this year's team is. The defense and specifically the defense's ability to make adjustments. I think if you go back and look through each power five game, so excluding that app state kind of anomaly double overtime game, I think they've allowed somewhere around, I think, was it 10 points in the second half? They allowed seven to South Carolina, three to Minnesota. And I think, I guess if you can count out that kickoff return against Pitt, it's somewhere around that 10 mark. Um, and, And that shows a lot of the adjustments uh, that this team has made. And, and the adjustments were on full display in Pittsburgh in particular. I mean, you you saw in that first quarter in one play when when Pitt scored on the first play of the second quarter that, that Pitt was having their way uh, with UNC's defense and running the ball and kind of just pounding it down uh, UNC's defensive front seven. Uh, and then you see them really make adjustments. I think the biggest play to me that stuck out was that time when they ran that similar kind of read option with Jerkovic. And the first time, or early in the game, it really kind of busted out for a nice gain. And then the second time, Cedric Gray and Power Rackers really shut that down. And that was the drive that eventually had came on Rucker getting the huge sack, which then in part led to the Huzzy punt return. Uh, so I, I think a big part of this team being 4-0 is the defensive improvements and specifically the defense being able to adjust on the fly and execute those adjustments on the fly. Yeah, and shout out to Jason Staples. Somebody mentioned it in the chat. I was going to call it up. Um, right, there you go. Jonathan Triplehorn. Hadn't seen that name in the chat, but shout out to Jason's breakdown of the defensive adjustments. If you haven't, and if you're not a member of Inside Carolina Premium, I I don't know what to tell you other than to do it. Just do it um, and and get that. Jason breaks it down. He breaks down the the giving up kickoff return for a touchdown. He also breaks down the adjustments. Jeremiah, when we talked to these guys, when we talked to Gene Chiswick, of course, there was no availability this week with the bye week. They get they get a week off from us and mm-hmm. to recruit and all that. But it is interesting to me that, 
you know, it's sort of looking a little bit like, and it's not this simple, but it kind of looks a little bit like this defensive staff knows what they're doing, you know. And, and mm -hmm. when you can make adjustments, like Evan said, on the fly and get your guys to execute it, and they've got the guys to do it and the leaders to make sure it happens, that's something that, you know, North Carolina's defense, I don't think anybody expected that. They expected them to be better. Sure. But but the adjustment aspect of it, I think, is a pretty big deal, especially going forward. It definitely is. If you're able to, on the fly, adjust in the second, Cedric Gray was talking a little bit after the game about, you know, in the past, you know, they might have been a little bit more frantic dealing with, you know, some of the deficits that they saw um, and, you know, dominoes just kind of fall how they do and it goes from bad to worse. Clearly, that's not something they're doing right now. Clearly, it's like, you know, we see what they're doing. We see what's working. You know, let's shut it down and stop it. Yes, said Gray did have the uh, little correction on me on the, uh, you know, kickoff touchdown versus second half defense, whatever. Um, but it's true. You didn't give up an offensive touchdown in the second half against Pitt, which is significant because the first two touchdowns they scored were on the first two drives, both were long drive. Both went 75-plus yards. The first one was the eight-minute, like, 13-play, whatever it was. Um, but it's significant to be able to, you know, turn around and get those stops or even just, you know, being able to start the game defensively um, on the correct side. Now, when we were talking to Gene Chizik, the last time we talked to him, he did attribute some of the improvements to, yes, a familiarity with the, the player, the familiarity that the, the, the familiarity that the players have, but that's already been, you know, everybody that we've talked to on that defense has kind of said the same thing on that, but he also cited, uh, and I think it was actually a, a question that Evan asked, he also cited just the familiarity that the staff has with the personnel. So you know what positions you can put certain guys in and what positions that, you know, might not be as favorable, you know, to somebody else. Um, I think some of the additions that they've had, I mean, I think Elijah Huzzy so far has been just all over the field. Uh, you know, I don't look at it from the same lens of, you know, ah, maybe he should have did this. Cover I'm just looking at it like he's just everywhere. Uh, you know, and he finally ended up getting a couple of interceptions, um, you know, both both the first two interceptions of his of his UNC career. So and then there's also just a lot of experience, you know, power echoes. This is his second year as a full time starter, but it's his third year. Uh, Cedric Gray's been there for a while, even came in Rucker. He's a veteran player now, too. And he's just been almost unguardable in some games that they played so far. So. You just look at all the experience that they have and you look at the fact that they are, you know, in this new deep. It just seems like this defense kind of suits players strong suit. I think Cayman Rucker in that jack position, he's just he's taken off. He's made it his thing. Uh, you could say the same thing for Elijah Huzzy, a star, honestly. Um, but I think, you know, everybody's just in a position where they can fully, you know, I'm not saying this is the best defense in the country. I'm not saying it's the best defense in ACC necessarily, but they're giving up. 24 points a game about and last year they gave up it was about no they're giving up 22 right now last year it was 30 so that's more than a touchdown difference that goes a long way over the course of 12 games that goes a that goes a super long way so um you look at the way the defense is playing especially the improvements in the second half because they let a lot of games get away from them late last year if you can eliminate that you save yourself at least two wins off your total yeah, looking at North Carolina's, and we're missing John Bowman, producer John tonight, and he's the one that brings all the stats, so I'm doing the best mm -hmm. I can. <laughs> Carolina's given up 37 points in the third, fourth quarter, and overtime. 24 of those were to app. So 13 yeah. points to 
Minnesota, South Carolina, and now Pittsburgh, that is solid and, and certainly speaks to what we're talking about. One thing you mentioned, and this is something that I think is huge, um, I talked to Deems May, and everybody watching this knows who Deems May is, diehard Carolina, former Carolina player, and certainly um, if you listen to post-game radio, he's always on there. We were walking out of the spring game, and he said that when he was watching – the North Carolina defense, the offense, and granted, it's a spring game, but the offense adjusted and said Gray or somebody held up a fist and everybody did what they're supposed to do on an adjustment, like on a pre-snap move, and nobody panicked at all. And that's what I'm seeing. James Barrett in the chat says the players are communicating. They are. I mean, that is one thing that was lacking. It was glaringly obvious that that was lacking last year. Evan, Jeremiah talks to the veteran leadership and all. Um, we talked about Mona Kino coming in and helping Tim Cross, but Tim Cross has been getting his guys going as well. Just speak to the veteran leadership, and it goes back to COVID too, right? Because everybody's old. I mean, you got guys out there that are grown with babies and families and all that. Um, but for North Carolina, I think that's really been a huge difference is not only veteran old guys that have been around long, but veteran guys that have some wisdom and know not to panic when it starts getting sideways. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, if you go and watch Cedric Gray play, aside just from you know him doing his job, watch how many times in pre-snap he's bumping over a defensive tackle or a defensive end to get in their gap, just move them over after there's a guy maybe that goes in motion or something along those lines. Cedric Gray is a guy that you, know, you just watch him for one game or one quarter, and you can see he is in total command and total control of not only himself, but everyone else's job. And he's aware of where everyone else is supposed to be at all times. Um, and aside from him, like you guys had mentioned, Power Eccles is a guy that last year was a first-year starter. And now this year, you know, that second year is huge. I mean, I think against Pittsburgh, it might have been his highest graded out performance according to PFF in his career. Um, he's a guy that is playing at a really high level, especially as of late. And then when you throw in on the defensive front, you've got Kamon Rucker, a senior, Miles Murphy, who's a senior, Kevin Hester, who's been in the program for a really long time, uh, Amari Gaynor, a graduate transfer, Elijah Huzzy, a graduate transfer, those safeties, and, and Don Chapman and uh, Geo Biggers are both, you know, four-plus-year guys. There is a lot of experience on this defense, and you see that because there have been times, uh, a stat that I think has, has been asked a lot and, and a really good question is there's been a lot of these sudden changes, whether it's the Drake May interceptions against Minnesota the onside kick that uh, South Carolina executed uh, to start the second half. And I think from those, you know, quote, sudden changes, whether it's a turnover or that onside kick, I think the defense has given up a total of six points, two field goals. I mean, that is really good. I mean, that, that is a very efficient rate, especially when you consider one of those turnovers was a Minnesota interception that set up, you know, the Golden Gophers inside the red zone. So just across the board, I mean, you see they have experienced guys, you know, from top to bottom, and, and it really does come all back to Cedric Gray and, and his ability to really, you know, lead and control that unit. Yeah, this is On The Beat Live, of course, Jeremiah, Evan, and hopefully Adam as we go. I'm Tommy Ashley. No John Bowman tonight. He's on – John Bowman out in California visiting intern to intern. Gregory <laughs> Hall out there. Saw a cool picture of them. It's a great trip if you ever get out there. Folks are watching this. If you haven't been out to an Angels game, go out there and give Gregory a shout-out maybe next year because they won't be making the playoffs this year. Jeremiah, Evan talks about the 
the the veteran leadership that we've we've been talking about yeah. and the chat is all about physicality and and this team and I wonder and this is a question that Jason and Buck and I and Greg everybody have talked about we always talked about complementary football and the defense being able to practice against physical offense and we saw that in the practices they allowed us to see early in the season I think that's a huge aspect because the offense gets better running the ball, you know, running that inside zone, and the defense can get better doing that. Just sort of speak to that aspect of this team. They're 4-0. They've played some physical football teams, and they have looked, for the most part, to be the more physical team of the bunch. So when we were out there during training camp, uh, Mac Brown was saying that the offensive line – they're still giving up too many sacks, you know, and then you also know that there's the tension the year before of the defense not getting enough sacks. So I literally asked Mac at one of the press conferences, I'm like, well, Mac, which one is it? You know, is it is your offensive line, you know, not up, you know, to the challenge? And are they not set enough or is it like what would you know, which one is it? And so he he talks about uh, the idea of, you know, these these one on one battles because you're not scheming against your own defense the same as you would scheme against, you know, uh, you know, an opposing defense. So, you know, certain guys that you might double in a real game, you're not really doubling as much in practice. Uh, you know, same goes for the defense. I mean, it's just all one-on-one. Um, I want to start defensively. Defensively, they talked a lot about Cayman Rucker over the, uh, over the fall and how unblockable and unguardable he was. Uh, so I think, you know, from the, from, from a you know, defensive standpoint, that was just a problem. That was just already something that, you know, they, and that's coming to fruition now. But I think when you look at the the offense and the offensive line, they've had some injuries up there too. So, you know, they've had to shuffle a little bit. Um, you know, obviously Willie Lampkins missed the last, I believe, two games now. Diego Pounds has had to play a lot. He's a, he's a younger guy. He's had to play a lot. Um, but, you know, most of those other guys have kind of been able to, uh, to be out there. They've run the football pretty well. Um, now they struggled the first three quarters to run it against Pittsburgh. Uh, so those first three quarters, it was mostly, you know, the passing attack was really hurting them. But, you know, eventually later, because they only ran the ball, I believe, one time in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, they ran it a lot. And they actually found a lot of success running the ball. Um, now those first two games, obviously, ton of success running the ball. So um, I think the improvement in the run game a lot has been because, Martin Hampton's been more consistent and British Brooks has been, you know, available. He did miss the App State game, but, you know, other than that, he's been pretty available. So, yeah, I, I just, when you look at the, when you talk about a, a physicality standpoint with this team, I mean, it's there. Like they're able to kind of compete with it. That Minnesota team, we talked about it last week and maybe even just leading up to the Minnesota game. That's just a giant offensive line that they had to deal with on the, you know, defensive side. They did pretty well with it. They were able to get – I think I think they got the one sack. They got one sack in that game. And then, you know, on both sides of the ball, I mean, you look at Minnesota and and Pittsburgh, I mean, those are some really – you know, those are some really physical teams that they've been able to contend with and win by multiple touchdowns. Um, so I think that bodes well. They will play more talented teams down the line. Like, there's no question about that. They come off the bye week against the undefeated Syracuse team. They still have Miami. They still have Duke. They still have to go to Death Valley. So, you know, there's more – Talent, there's more talented teams. They're probably more difficult opponents. But I think from a physicality standpoint, if you can win the game in the trenches, which they've really been able to do, 
Um, you know, I'd say for all four games. I know App State got some good running success, but I, I would still uh, give North Carolina credit. So if you can win that game in the trenches, I mean, you're you're and you can throw it as well as you do. You're a dangerous team. Yeah, Marion Hampton, uh, four games in, he's averaging ninety five point eight yards a game, seven yeah. touchdowns for Hampton. I see uh, Duke running back that has that many. Evan, anything left on the four that we've gone through? Uh, North Carolina has a schedule coming up, starting with Syracuse. People in the chat saying, "Is Syracuse for real?" Syracuse has Clemson, or excuse me, Notre Dame, Carolina, and Florida State back to back to back. If I'm not mistaken, Clemson. I guess we'll find out. Clemson, Cle- Clemson this weekend at home. Yes, they got Clemson. Yes, so. First of all, four games back, last thoughts on that. And then looking ahead, what do you see from North Carolina starting with Syracuse? Yeah, just kind of to piggyback off that point about Cayman Rucker that Jeremiah made. I think I saw earlier he has 18 quarterback hurries so far this year through four games. So over four quarterback hurries a game. I mean, that is just a ridiculous number uh, and, and really important for a defense last year that everyone is probably well aware of that was last in the ACC in sacks and also last in the ACC in, in quarterback pressure rate. So, so Camon has been huge uh, for this defense, uh, taking a big step forward. And, and also just to kind of say what Jeremiah said again, uh, four teams, all were good tests in their own respective ways, but certainly starting with Syracuse and, and then definitely with Miami, the competition ramps up really quick and, and it makes for this bye week to be really helpful and useful for this team to, to get healthy and also just to self-scout, self-evaluate before you really hit uh, a really important stretch of your schedule. Yeah, and I was stepping all over myself. They play Clemson, Carolina, and Florida State three straight weeks. We'll find out in a hurry if Syracuse is any good. Jeremiah, anything looking back and then looking forward? Carolina's got this bye week, which I think comes at a perfect time for them. Drake can get unsore. Uh, Other guys can get healthy. You mentioned Willie Lampkin. Um, And then – they also get to sit back and watch these other teams like Syracuse get a game on tape with the Clemson, you know, solid competition and all just sort of what are your overall thoughts looking back, looking forward before we get out to the break and talk a little bit about uh, a basketball schedule that got released. Yeah. I think UNC is positioned really well right now. I think the advantage between them and maybe a Syracuse, they have had a, maybe a tougher schedule than Syracuse. Um, I do hope to really sit down and really look at Syracuse this coming week. Um, Obviously, I've been keeping up with what they've been doing. They've been playing well offensively. Uh, Maybe it hasn't been the most rigorous schedule, but, I mean, just some of the numbers, I just put it up. I mean, it's been 28-plus each week. Obviously, Colgate, it is what it is. They get 65, but, I mean, you know, 48, 35, 29. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at a certain point, you do have to go out there. You do have to, you know, execute and things of that nature. Um, but Syracuse four and is four and and what winning does it does kind of give you that momentum going into you know future weeks and and things like that. We'll see what happens this weekend, obviously. But um, you know you have Syracuse, you have you know Duke is still out there, Miami's still out there. Obviously, Florida State I think should be looked at as the favorite at this current moment uh, to take the ACC. But UNC is right up there. I would actually give UNC. I would say UNC right now has looked like the second best team uh, in the ACC. Um, I don't think the gap is terribly big. I still think it's, you know, pretty comfortably Florida State. But if you give UNC one game, I think they would have a, a good shot at them. Uh, but I think they're positioned well. I think coming out of that bye week, you know, to get Syracuse at home, 
they would have at least four wins. I think that would say a lot because honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just trying to think of who's UNC, who's UNC's best opponent has been so far. App State obviously gave them the closest game, but that might be the best. I mean, just the, they were just such a well-oiled, you know, offensive machine by the time they got to UNC. So maybe that's been the, you know, the best, of, which is not a, you know, small thing because App State's a, they are a good team. Uh, but we'll see, you know, kind of how they go against, you know, these different styles of, of offenses moving forward. But 4-0 is exactly where UNC uh, wants to be. I didn't necessarily expect them to be 4-0, but as, as people know, um, but 4-0 is where they want to be. I think it's six. I think they're one of six teams that's, that's 4-0. They do have the advantage of having a conference game. Syracuse does not yet have a conference game played as of today. So um, I think moving forward, you know, UNC is just going to have to kind of keep, you know, step with what Florida State is doing. Don't drop the easy ones. Take advantage of the ones that, uh, you know, that you know you can take. And, um, and we'll see where they go from there. Quick stat real quick that I forgot to mention. Uh-oh, Forever. you got stats. You got, got stats. stats. So I'm taking over taking over John for the night. Um, people talking about Willie Lampkin being out. And Pro Football Focus does this really cool thing where it does rushing yards by direction. So the, the gap between the center and the left guard where Willie lined up uh, for the first two games against App State UNC had eight rushes, eight rushes through that gap for 141 yards for an average of 17.6 yards per carry. Obviously, Amari Hansen's 68-yard rushing touchdown is included in that mark. Against Minnesota, in that gap, they had one rush for two yards. And then against Pittsburgh, they had six rushes for five yards for an average of 0.8 yards per attempt. So that is someone that I think, despite his size, when you look at him, he is definitely a very important piece that needs to get healthy and get back on yeah. this offensive front just to incre- increase the overall physicality and really help the run game kind of get back to what they showed us those first two games. That's Absolutely. a heck of a number. Look, yeah. for PFF power ranking, yeah. Syracuse is 36th. Strength of schedule so far for them is 111. The remaining schedule is 49. By contrast, North Carolina is 12th in PFF power rankings. Strength of schedule to this point is sixth in the country, mm. and they have the 86th strongest schedule remaining. Uh, just by comparison, Alabama's strength of schedule up until this point is eighth. Florida State's is seventh, and neither one of them have much left. Uh, Kentucky, just just you know, for giggles, Kentucky <laughs> is the 17th ranked PFF power team. Uh, that is old Devin Leary's team. 125th schedule thus far. Kentucky's remaining schedule, first in the nation. Oh, wow. Devin Shout Leary. Yeah. Shout <laughs> out to the SEC East. <laughs> Welcome to the SEC, Devin Leary. Uh, hope you survive it. Anyway, let's talk about Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. It's on the beat live. And, of course, this is one of the many shows they're sponsors of. They take care of us. They take care of you especially if you're an Inside Carolina Premium member. I've already told you about Jason Staples' breakdowns. Worth the price of admission. But then you get Don Callahan and all the football recruiting. You get Sherelle and all the guys on the basketball side. Um, just a, a ton of stuff that you can get. And you get to hang out on the Tar Pit Premium message boards and the UNC Basketball Premium message boards. And it's as cheap as it can be. And if you shop at Johnny T-Shirt, you get your money back virtually every month. Um, it's, it's getting cooler. You know, the leaves are starting to turn a little bit. 
you got to get your gear at Johnny T-shirt. Get the sweatshirts, everything you need there. Take care of them. Alumni owned and operated. I shop local. You should shop local. Johnny T-shirts, easy way to do it. Even if you live on the other side of the world, other side of the country, go to johnnytshirt.com. 10% off if you're that premium member. National guys will pay the bills. It's on the beat live. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, guys, on the beat live, you know, a lot of people don't want us to talk football or basketball. I think we need to. But I will say, if you're in the chat, drop us questions. We'll talk about this basketball schedule for a minute, and then we'll have Evan and Jeremiah answer your questions. But, Jeremiah, the schedule drop. Mm-hmm. Nailed it on the on the women's side, but what I've seen from North Carolina men and women, uh, they're not ducking anybody. They're playing mm-hmm. all the tough games. Let's talk about the men here. South Carolina coming. When is that game? South Carolina coming to play the women? For the women, that is November thirtieth. That is the ACC SEC challenge. That will be something to yeah. see South Carolina come in there. Um, who knows where they're ranked? Who knows where Carolina's ranked at the time? But that game will be huge. On the men's on the men's side, what stood out for you when the ACC dropped the schedule finally about 8 o'clock this evening? Um, one thing that I saw that sort of piqued my interest, and it takes me a while to get back into the basketball mode, but they play Miami on the 10th of February, I think, and then they play Syracuse on the 13th. Mm-hmm. That's a they they are spanning the globe, as the yeah. old saying used to be in the ACC. Just what stood out for you in that ACC schedule? Well, you, you have that stretch against you know Miami and Syracuse, but how about a little bit earlier? I'm looking. At, it was one of the first things I noticed. They have at Pitt on January second, then they have at Clemson January uh, January the sixth, and then they have a more local one at State on a. On January the 10th. So they have those three straight road games early on in conference. It's not technically the start of it because they do have a they have Florida State in December. Um, but when the conference slate really gets going uh, all the way up to Pitt, all the way down to Clemson, and then you, you have the local one against NC State. So that's going to be a lot of uh, traveling and moving around as well. But yeah, I think one thing that, you know, from the original schedule that we've already seen, like you said, Tommy, they're not I mean, they're playing the defending national champions, uh, you know, in their non-conference schedule. They have, you know, obviously Tennessee, who had a good run in the tournament. Um, you know, so you have some – you've got some legitimate opponents coming up. You're not necessarily easing into it. Um, you still have the primetime game of the of the Jumpman Invitational. Um, going into the, the season – I think what UNC is going to really need to do is take advantage of those first few non-conference games because your roster is just, it's just so new. You know, you have obviously your returners in Baycott and, and RJ Davis, who's feel like, you know, they've been around for a long time. Baycott has been around obviously already for those four years. But I think as you start to figure out your lineups and you start to figure out that chemistry, those first few games, like, let's see, I mean, it goes up to the, uh, really before you leave for the Bahamas, you're going to have to really, you know, kind of, 
figure some things out. And it's not all going to be perfect and streamed up, not even by the time you get to Florida State in December. Um, but it's going to be a lot of experimentation. It's going to be a lot of the things like that. I think the advantage for them is they stay at home for a lot of these non-conference games. Um, Charlotte's a little bit of a drive, and then you have obviously Kentucky and um, and UConn. Now you have a good, you have a decent gap. Oh, Adam just uh, just pulled in, uh, but you have a a decent gap between UConn and Kentucky to you know get your bearings together. I don't know, but yeah. So um, yeah, I mean it's there. It's out. I remember talking to. Uh, you know, me and Adam would kind of talk a little bit too. We're like, man, they really doing, you know, shows for these, you know, these schedule releases. It's like, you know, kind of filling the filling the TV space on us a little bit. But I mean, it is interesting to see, you know, where they go and when and, you know, and, and all that stuff. But uh, just first glance, my main takeaway is they're not going to e- they're not going to be able to ease into their, um, you know, new lineups and things like they maybe want to. And that'll just be a there'll certainly be an ongoing process. They'll probably, whenever they do kind of hit a stride, it might be midway toward conference season, who knows, but, um, you know, I'm I'm definitely interested to see how everything uh, plays out. Adam Smith joins us. He has been just kicking out the content on Inside Carolina. Adam, we've already talked about football. We might talk about football again if the questions in the chat do it, but this basketball schedule, to Jeremiah's point, I mean, you start off, you got Radford, Lehigh, and UC Riverside out of the gate. But then they jump in feet first. So my first question to you is, Iron Five or not? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do it. Warm me up, baby. I know. There is no warm-up, man. It's just uh, like (laughs) – Let me get a couple trips up and down the court before before you're feeding me. Um, (laughs) No, but seriously, though, they've got (laughs) – They've got those games to sort of – and I know they practice. They practice all the time, and you build chemistry and practice and all that. But let's be honest. If if you were asleep for the past 24 months, <laughs> you, you would, you'd recognize Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis, and that's it pretty yeah. much. It is just crazy seeing the turnover. How do they sort of mold it into live action when the games start? You know, as soon as October, or excuse me, November sixth. That's the challenge, TA. I mean, that's the um, what have we called it? A complete roster overhaul. And Sherelle was telling us <laughs> the night they turned down the the NIT bid, the night they didn't make the NCAA tournament, the night they turned down the NIT bid. Our guy Sherelle McMillan was saying this is going to be a roster overhaul, which we had been hearing, which he had been hearing. Um. But, yeah, you turn on ACC Network tonight. I'm trying to see a schedule. They got Joel Berry's baby up there. Did anybody see that? (laughs) I'm like, what? The baby's got a hairy back. What is going on here? Like, where are the the games? Um, The old ACC Network. Anybody seen the targeting call on Tayon Holloway yet? I have not. People in the chat. Anyway, I digress. Basketball schedule. Have we been over that? Well, I – Somebody asked in the chat, do we know anything about the Tayon Holloway ejection? I don't know anything. I mean. Well, I was saying to Jeremiah up there, it, if you're going to get targeting, it couldn't happen at a better time. Eight seconds right. left in the first half. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You, you, you're only going to miss the second half. You know, like eight seconds into the second half, you got to miss the whole first half of the next game. You know yeah. what I mean? Ideal like, targeting. Go ahead. Basketball schedule. Stay focused. I was about to say, dude, have you talked about that? That reminded me, you know, Drake basically said the other night, like, the one dude, whoever he was, 50, was like 
hit him with a cheap shot to the face when his ears were ringing or whatever. But anyway, yeah, basketball schedule. You know, uh, I saw the same thing you did, Tommy. I saw your comment. Uh, the uh, what is it? The 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 Miami to Syracuse trip. Tip to tip. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. It is wild. It is wild. You know, they they late in the season this past or last year, they played at Notre Dame late February, and we that was an awful shooting night, and they barely survived that one. Terrible shooting night. Uh, but uh, the the legendary Jim Hawkins and I left out of South Bend. It was literally snowing. We were worried that we weren't going to get to take off. And then, like three days later, we're at Tala in Tallahassee for an FSU game. It was like eighty five degrees. <laughs> it, really, it legit was. I was in shorts. You know, I was like, God, it's, you know, we're having lunch. I'm like, it is so hot out here. My God, my old pastiness just melting. But, um, I mean, you know, you can parse this a whole lot of different ways. I think. There's, I'm, I'm looking at it here. They don't play a true road game, which is something you usually uh, – a needle usually stick in the Blue Devils down the road because they never play a true road game until conference play. They don't play a true road game until, what is it, January 2nd at Pitt. But they play all these neutral site games, which we did know about. Mm-hmm. You know, the Battle for Atlantis. Um, you know, the, you're playing UConn in Madison Square Garden like three days after your ACC opener. That's – that's going to be a tough task. You got Kentucky in Atlanta. That's a quick, that's an easy drive for Big Blue Nation. I mean, you know, you all remember what, what was it? Memphis looked like when, when Luke May hit the shot against Kentucky. That thing was like 60 or 70% BBN, Big Blue Nation. Oh, let me tell you, I can go back to 1995 when Carolina had to go to Birmingham when they had Rashid. Right. Yeah. And we were down there. I probably said it's a long drive back to Owensboro long, more times than I've ever said anything when I was yelling at those Kentucky fans. But that was in another life. That entire place was Kentucky. In Birmingham? There. I mean, like, yeah, the North Memphis. Carolina Tar Birmingham. The North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm talking about how they travel. Yo, gosh. The they North Carolina they, Tar they Heels. It's like, rah, rah, rah. And then it says, and the Kentucky Wildcats. And it's just like. Yeah, they invade. They invade a place. They invade a place. It's like but a, back to your point. <laughs> we are on. Adam comes in. <laughs> we, we're driving down the road. Nice. I screwed smooth. it up. I know I have. <laughs> Look, just, just, just fun. Empty young for, bucks back in there. Just for fun. Uh, if you were to drive from Syracuse University to Miami, <laughs> University of Miami, it would take you twenty-one hours and twenty-three minutes, and it's fourteen hundred and twenty-two miles. So I think y'all need to do it. I think we need to rent a car, <laughs> IC team, make the, t- it would be a fun story. Well, Jim Hawkins would not go for that. <laughs> Jim Hawkins will fly first class and see. He would not go for it. Dude, Adam, we were talking about, we were talking about some of the, uh, the little travel experience with Jim. Somebody in the chat mentioned the TSA pre-check and I was like, that's the first thing Jim told us yep. when we got to the, uh, we got to the gate. Jim does go back and listen to these, so I hope everyone was uh, complimentary as they should be, you know, for yes. of Diamond Jim. Oh, hey. he, he look, he's amazing, but you better bring your wallet because you're going, <laughs> you're going out. And shout out to Dodd and all them. I saw Jim uh, visiting my my crew up there in Pitt. Anyway, mm-hmm. let, how do we get this back, Evan? <laughs> Evan, this is how we roll. I'm sorry, man. It's just like I don't know what we're talking about. Go back to what you were talking about, the true road games. Um, when is that? For, is the first true road game 
at Pittsburgh? Pitt January 2nd. Yeah, so they go through two months of the schedule without a true road game. Now, I counted it up. I believe it's 42 days between ACC home games. They play December 2nd. By the way, that's the same day that the ACC football championship is in Charlotte when they play FSU in basketball. Just file that away. Uh, interesting double potentially follow it again yeah all hands on deck <laughs> uh, <laughs> file that one away i believe it's 42 days between uh december 2nd and january 13th which is their second acc home game there's a three-game road trip road stretch uh at pitt at clemson at nc state uh early in the acc schedule early january that's you know that'll be a, that'll be testy um, little January 2nd at Pitt, you know, ringing in, getting the New Year's scraps up there. Um, but obviously, you know, the two Duke games, both 6.30 starts on Saturday nights, which which you would expect, obviously. Um, do have to go to UVA, where they haven't won since February 2012. It's an eight-game losing streak at UVA. That they now. Evan, Evan, what were you doing in February of 2012? I was eight years old. February. I was. I was probably. I was probably playing some rec basketball. Two-time rec champion. So I was probably on on my way to my first title. Oh my God! Mute yourself again. Good lord! <laughs> this is killing me. Oh, to to your point, Adam. I mean, 2012 is a long time ago for the last win, and they only get Virginia there. They don't get well, the return visit. That's what I don't like about the ACC schedule, but. That's yelling at clouds again. They have to get. They don't go to Wake, which I noted in the story where they've gotten absolutely blitzed the last two times they've gone. I mean, I know going to Wake is not exactly like going to Virginia or Duke, but it's been a little bit of a house of horrors for Carolina the last two years. Um, you know, they have home and homes with Miami, Syracuse. I mean, Miami, by the way, as we know, went to the Final Four. They play Miami twice, Syracuse twice, Duke twice, State twice, I believe Clemson twice. Um, so I I noted – now, I looked this up. I hope this is correct. I looked at it hard. That I think I sent you guys the note. They don't play an in-state – UNC men's basketball does not play an in-state opponent this season for the first time in 24 years. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, how do you let that happen? You know what I mean? Like, non-ACC teams you have in this state. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it's interesting. They do they do do Saint Aug on uh, exhibition. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, shout out for them doing that. But yeah, to your point, the schedule is. I mean, you don't really know how good these teams are going to be. That's why the transfer portal. It, once upon a time, Evan specifically, you know, before the transfer portal, you would know what teams would be like year to year, and you didn't really have to do a ton to prepare. Like and have a conversation like this because you knew NC State's going to have so-and-so back. Duke's going to have so-and-so back and, and all that. Well, now it's hard to know who's even on the rosters, and, and, and that's what sort of changed everything up. I do think it's cool. What do we think about – Jeremiah, what do you think about this ACC-SEC challenge as opposed to the Big Ten challenge? I, I think that is – I kind of like that switch up because the Big Ten challenge just had gotten stale – over the years. 
Well, man, I don't know. At what point is UNC going to be on the other side of the ACC? No, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, not going to start that today. I'm not gonna Maybe start. it's the SEC, SEC challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> nah, I'll leave that alone. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, you, you know, you, you get Tennessee for, um, you know, for this year. This is a team that I'm trying to remember exactly where they got. They at least got to the uh, – uh, pardon me for, for not remembering. But I believe it was the Elite Eight last year. Is that correct? Um, so. Too. They beat Duke. Yeah, yeah, because they beat Duke in the Sweet 16. Yeah, they beat Duke to get – yeah, that's correct. Um, I think that's a good one for them because, you know, a lot of the angst last year – obviously, I wasn't around, but I kept up with it, um, you know, of not having a certain amount of, you know, quality wins and things like that. Um, Tennessee is a great opportunity, um, especially the fact that you get to host them. Uh, that's a great opportunity to, you know, at least take a swing at a win like that um, against a team that – was very successful last season so but yeah in regards to ACC SEC I mean I like it I like the regional kind of aspect of it um you know well I guess in theory I do some of these teams they kind of you know all over the place now in some of these conferences but um you know like I mean Tennessee I mean that's a team that at least football wise you really recruit against and um you know and, and things like that so I mean it's kind of nice to have the the local aspect of it I do think I agree with Tommy I mean you had the the Big Ten challenge, I mean, that ran its course. It was cool for for when it was there. I mean, I do remember watching some of those games. Um, and you do like to have the, you know, kind of unfamiliar opponents when you can get them. But, um, yeah, I think the fact that they're switching it to SEC, I think it's, you know, a good time to, you know, kind of get something new, to get something fresh in there. Like, why not? There's some – I think SEC basketball really is on the rise a little bit. I think a lot of times, you know, you didn't associate it as much with – football i mean uh basketball but now i think you you're, you're looking at it a lot more um from a basketball sense and a basketball context maybe the portal has a little bit to do with that i don't know but i think it's good to to be able to to switch it up and, and start getting some SEC teams in there get in my here adam Tri- sorry my guy jonathan Triplehorn in the chat was exactly where i was going yeah rick barnes back in- and jeremiah what a great uh word choice jeremiah i believe said take a swing um you know like uh that it will be physical and rick barnes the native of hickory north carolina who once coached coach clemson and as those of us of a certain age no fault against you guys for being young and handsome um (laughs) you know there was a time when dean smith and rick barnes were called to acc commissioner gene corrigan's house uh, not John Swafford, not Jim Phillips, but Gene Corrigan, uh, who is the father of Boo Corrigan, NC State Athletic Director, and told to uh, settle down. <laughs> yeah. I still remember Dean yelling at Iker Turbe. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> and then, and then, dude, right? Like, I mean, it was look, Rick Barnes, a lot of people hate him. Yeah. I find it fascinating that the man has literally coached his entire career. And he ain't had to buy anything different colors. That's Tennessee, Texas, yeah. <laughs> Clemson. <laughs> I mean, he just kept the orange blazer. Anyway, I started <laughs> sorry to step on you. And George yeah. Jenkins, Miss Old Lenny Wirtz, and Paparo. Oh, I just I mean, thought about when when I saw that it was Tennessee in the ACC SC Challenge, I was like, well, they'll for a certain age of uh Dean Dome um spectator, uh I believe they will welcome Rick Barnes back in a certain way. It'll be interesting to see. You know, I bet you Roy will be down there giving him the business at some point way before tip off, you know. Um, 
So, but anyway, that's just a thought I had when I, especially when I heard Jeremiah say, take a swing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there will be, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't dislike Rick Barnes. I, th- I think he's gotten a lot older though. I, you know, he, his age is starting to show, but yeah, his teams were always something. And it wasn't too many times you saw Dean fired up like that. And I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Evan, get in here on this basketball schedule. Um, you know, you're on campus, which is something I've forgotten to do. I used to always ask Ross, what's the mood on campus? And he would get so mad because he's like 30-something. But uh, <laughs> when you look well, at this schedule. on campus, though. I, mean, I know, exactly. But he was like, I'm 30 years old, Tommy. And I'm like, I know, but you're on campus. Uh, when you look at the schedule, what do you see? What, what's cool to you? Um was troublesome for the Tar Heels? Just your overall take. First thing that, that I look at from a from a, a writer's perspective is two 9 p.m. tips. That is something. I mean, I remember last year, it felt like every non-conference game at the beginning of that year was a 9 p.m. tip. Uh, look, and you're correct. I could go so, to bed so at a decent hour. Yeah, so they've life. got the Louisville game at home, and then I guess the 9 p.m. tip is the back end of the Jumpman Challenge, so I'm sure that'll end up being a – a nine eighteen tip or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, but those are really the the first two things. And the other thing that kind of caught me off guard, maybe I need to look into more. Um, but I think they might've, did they push back the season another week because they're playing, playing Duke March 9th, the second week in March, which if I remember right, usually they would play, you know, Duke that first weekend in March and, they play NC State March second. I can't think of the last time UNC played NC State in March. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think that. I don't know about three games in March, but I think they've always had those two games right. in March. Yeah. But, um, and then, and knows? then, in terms of of the travel talk, uh, the other big one, aside from the Miami to Syracuse, this one not as big, but just a a two game stretch between at Boston College on January twentieth, and then you've got home Wake Forest January twenty second. So that'll be a pretty big trek there for only one day off in between those two games. And then like we've all kind of talked about the non-conference kind of ramps up pretty quick. So it's going to be pretty important for this roster and this team to really kind of figure itself out in those first three or four non-conference games and, and really, you know, use those games to serve as a way to find who you've got. Cause it felt like last year, especially at the beginning of the year, I mean, those UNCWs, the Charleston game, the Portland game, games that you thought would be, games that mm-hmm. UNC could really find its depth early on, those games were close down to the under eight timeout and UNC really never took advantage of those. I mean, Charleston, they were losing to at halftime. So it's going to be interesting to see if this team is able to get ahead early and often in those beginning games to really figure out a rotation and, and what they have in all these new pieces. Yeah. Preston from uh, Greensboro. Clemson had four players. Everybody else fouled out. They had like 30-some yeah. fouls in the game. I was at that one. I was a student. <laughs> I, oh, that, that hurts my heart. I think no, I was working I mean, it. I was way up there I, in the rafters. I remember it vividly. I, was, I, was, I think I was working it for Inside Carolina maybe. Um, or I may have been there. I can't remember that long. The 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 old age is getting me. This, that's a great name. These folks today, you know, one thing about ACC basketball – and this is sort of the old man at clouds again. Everybody knows who the refs are, right? Everybody wants to yell and fuss about the refs. But back in the day, there were some character refs that were just like, and Lenny Wirtz was one of them. 
Dick Paparo was another one. Those guys, I mean, it was just like legendary. It's like, it's not like that anymore with the conference. But anyway, Adam, last thoughts on the ACC basketball schedule being released. I think North Carolina, you know, the at Virginia is tough, not getting a return visit. But I don't, I don't really dislike this schedule for the Tar Heels because, like we said at the outset, it gives them an opportunity to get some guys some playing time. You go to the Bahamas, which I assume that's you and Jeremiah, and I don't know who else. That is, that's a fun time. You have to do all the water slides. Um, <laughs> but then after the Bahamas, you know, after the first day in the Bahamas, it really ramps up, and there's no cupcake really in there going forward after, say, and I'm not calling UC Riverside a cupcake, but after those three home games to open the season, there's no days off, Adam. It's like I mean, last season, you know, uh, which I believe Evan was alluding to. I'm sorry I got distracted by a text message. But, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's like last season. They had, what, three or four home games. Then they go out to Portland. Then they played Indiana on the way back from Portland in Bloomington for the ACC Big Ten. Now you got the ACC SEC. Um, you know, they played Ohio State in Madison Square Garden last year. You got UConn, which I think is a huge step up. Um, mm-hmm. Kentucky. I mean, like, yeah, it's um, – you get a little – is it respite? You get a little respite in there with Charleston Southern on December 29th. I'll do respect to the Bucks, But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it either. Like, I'm sure at some point we'll look at it and be like, oh, I didn't realize that this was going to be this much of a factor or something. But, um, you know, I'm just interested to see what – how this thing comes together. Um you know, I was trying to look and see when Cormac Ryan would play Notre Dame. You know what I mean? But it's like late in the year. Um, and I believe if if Stanford made it all the way, well, St- Carolina could play Stanford in the Bahamas. Yeah. So that could be a uh, you know um, the guy's name's slipping my mind. Harrison Ingram. <laughs> I want to say Harrison Barnes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he could play against his old team. I remember when we thought Caleb Love was going to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan's in the Bahamas. I was like, ooh yikes that um, would be inter- very interesting would be but i mean you know I, I think i think you'll know i think you have a really good sense of what carolina has uh by the time christmas gets here um you know i i, I think kentucky yukon the bahamas i think that's gonna tell us a lot and um you know it's it's interesting i guess that they don't have the two acc games before christmas they played three before New Year's last year when you count Pitt. Pitt was on December 30th. Um, so it's uh, it's it's front-loaded with the non-conference stuff, and there's plenty of ACC challenges there on the back end. So um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be, again, December 2nd, what could was, be going down. Yeah, I was trying to look at the schedule. I don't see a, a bye week in there it's after the be, right? February 17th. February 17th. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There, Virginia you there you go. There you go. There's their bye week. Yep, I missed Good that Good job, one. Evan. Uh, they'll need it after going at Miami, at Syracuse, and then home to Virginia Tech, and, and then turn around and play Virginia. Jeremiah, final thoughts on the basketball schedule. And let me throw up this question in the chat because I think it's a funny one. And it's right up the on the beat cruise alley who finishes higher the men or the women Ooh, loaded question that's a good question man shoot billy billy collins and and i'll add who finishes higher between the football team and the two basketball teams 
Okay, okay. So who finishes higher between the women? I will say, I'm going to say the women do finish slightly higher in their rankings than the men because they have more returning pieces to build off of kind of what they did last year. So they're probably, they're probably going to start with a little bit of a leg up just because they've kind of had some of those returning players get back. They've had some change too, but I think that, and what was the second part of that? Who I, I, th- I threw it. I threw in the football team. So I finished <laughs> football, Man. men's or women's basketball. Man. They'll all be number one nationally. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wins the national championship. Uh, man, I don't know, man. Uh, I might have to go with um, maybe we're in football season, so it's easier to say football. I'll I'll, throw, I'll say football. Why not? Okay, but uh, yeah. As far as as far as last thoughts on the um. On the schedule, I don't have too much to add from what Adam and Evan have said, man. I think they really um, knocked it out. I think the main thing for them is going to be um, – I know uh, Tommy did jokingly bring up did they go Iron 5 this year, uh, but I do think the ability to work out your depth is, is just so important because you don't really know fully how in real-game situations those guys are going to respond to each other and how they're going to play through each other. Um I think they added a good amount of shooting this year. I know that's something that Hubert Davis, since he's been back, has kind of been saying as a as something that he wants. But you still have Armando Baycott down there. You're still going to want to get him the ball. But I think the shoot what the the new additions have done, you can give Armando more space to work down there. A lot different than his, I guess, his sophomore year when he had to share it with like Garrison Brooks and Walker Kessler all the time and and Dayron Sharp. You know, you give him a little bit more space to operate and do what he does down low. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I don't think we even mentioned uh, Elliot Cadeau at all yet. Uh, so we'll see how he kind of does in some of these uh, these big time ACC games, like you know, kind of off the off the rip. So one thing I'm most interested to see, especially in those first few games. How do they do these lineups? Do they make a do they go to the Bahamas and roll out one five against Northern Iowa, love it or hate it, and just go with another five against the like the very next day? I don't know. So that's stuff like that is what I'm going to be paying attention to. Well, Hubert Davis has shown so much, uh, you know, desire to change lineups and rotation. <laughs> he's, I mean, he just is a wild. He's a gambler. No, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tommy, I don't know if you guys have mentioned in the 30 minutes or 35 minutes I missed about uh, Evan's background. Has anyone uh, recognized Evan's background? Because um, I believe his mother was concerned about it at one point. (laughs) Is it like his background, like where he came from, or is like current background on the screen here? Because it looks like somebody like the nun's going to step out, you know, scary movie stuff behind you. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we have, oh, I can't point right. We've got the curtain set up there. Uh, I had paint cans sitting at the top that she did not like. Uh, so they took a ladder and, and grabbed them up from top. So I'm, I'm glad that everyone is enjoying uh, my spotless background. Everybody pays attention to everything. <laughs> I look, you didn't even notice it. Uh, yeah, I, mean, there you go. I mean, she's the most important. We're going to get Jeremiah some art back there. We're going to. At least yeah, throw man. a schedule. Throw up a get a, a whiteboard and just like yeah. write a bunch of random stuff on there. I've been procrastinating it, man. I <laughs> went to the uh, the center fest down in Durham a few weeks ago, and I did get a couple things of art, man. So I just have to like figure nice. out where to put that, and then where to 
you know, put my computer when I'm doing these little, uh, when I'm doing these podcasts, man. <laughs> I might Jerry be like, I might do like a, a Willie Stargell shirt in Pittsburgh. I did. I did. Oh, man. If I would have did my laundry in time, I would have actually wore it on here. Uh, I need to do like Doc Staples and just do like a virtual background or something, you know, put myself in Wakanda or something like that. <laughs> somebody, uh, yeah, somebody will, well, somebody will complain. Somebody complained about Jason's, uh, changing backgrounds last year and i'm like really? listen to the words not not what you see <laughs> anything left boys it's been a spirited on the beat it's an hour and three minutes and it's always fun to get together and, and shoot the breeze with you guys um any so joey always says two pennies and it can be anything with sherelle and sean so i'm gonna do two pennies i'm gonna steal it evan give me two cents your last two cents of this show this week heading into the bye week for North Carolina football and ACC schedule release or go anywhere you want to go with, yeah. with within reason. <laughs> no, no, yeah, for sure. Uh, UNC is going 12 and out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's, it's a good time for the bye week. I, I really think that the teams they played these first four, four weeks all presented different challenges and specifically three of them really presented physicality challenges that I think, uh, UNC responded too well. Uh, one thing specifically with the Pittsburgh game that I pointed out before they went up there was it was important that they won. And it was important that they won and came back healthy because last year they lost Noah Taylor and Des Evans uh, in that Pittsburgh game. And they won and they and they came back healthy for the most part of what we know. Um, and I think this week is a good week to get some guys back, specifically like a Willie Lampkin, like people have been talking about. Uh, ahead of a stretch where you're going to face, you know, Syracuse and Miami, who statistically speaking are two of the better offenses in the country and two of the better offenses you're probably going to face the entire season. So I think the football team is in a good spot. Uh, it's crazy to think about basketball in September, but it's going to be a, a, an interesting season uh, for sure, a, a different season, a one-of-a-kind season. I can't think of – I mean, definitely there's definitely not a season that comes to mind just because of how the transfer portal is where there's been so many new pieces that are going to play a role. So football's fun. Basketball's going to be interesting. Man, that, that, that guy's good, man. He, he, he brings it every week. Jeremiah, you're up. You got to bring it. Give me, <laughs> give me, give me the last, let's get out of here. Thoughts. A lot of people in the chat saying free Tez. I mean, maybe if Tez played for Minnesota, he'd be playing. Who knows? Hey, you know, we did see the – I guess that's something we didn't talk about today. We didn't talk about the uh, uh, the Minnesota athlete. I believe – what was his last name? McDaniel? Uh, yeah, so that's not something we talked about. But I guess uh, to fill that uh, place, J.J. Jones has been very productive in what would be the Tez Walker role. Um, he has – he's currently leading the team in – receiving yards he's third in catches but first in yards so i think it's like 18 yards per catch or something like that so um it looks like him and drake may have a really good you know kind of connection nate mccullum got going uh very late in that game so we shall see what the uh what the future holds for that offense because they've been able to kind of play the either or game with the run game and the in the passing game but one thing i do want to also add um, I didn't really even notice it until Adam brought it up, but I will be paying a lot of attention to what happens on December 2nd. You know, will we be playing double duty? It looks like we might have to, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see <laughs> kind of how that goes. So I'll be thinking about the storylines that come with that. Um, you know, I'm going to throw a bunch of ifs and whatever, you know, if the certain teams on 
December 2nd playing multiple different sports. We will see where that where that goes. It's a long way to go, but that's something I'll pay attention to. Indeed it is. Somebody uh so I had this. I got this out of my kids' uh closet. Jason a while back. Sick, obviously. No, actually it was Marvin Austin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I'm joking about Stanislaus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, I, don't, I don't know. I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah, but that was a long it's, time ago. It'd, it'd, be, it'd, it'd be mothballed up if it was that. But, yeah, I think it was Marvin Austin. But, anyway, Adam, get us out of here with final thoughts. Uh, it's, it's, I would say it's a free week, but it's never a free week. Before never. I forget, somebody asked about content. So, we're doing this tonight. It's Tuesday night. Don Callahan and I will be on Noon Dish tomorrow at noon with a shorter um, Noon Dish than normal. I've got some personal stuff to take care of. And then Thursday we'll have a show of some sort. We're not going to have a game plan, but we'll drop some sort of show on Thursday. And then Buck, Jason, and I will do a day after Sunday morning at 9 o'clock where we sort of just talk about like kind of what we've done, talk about what's behind North Carolina, what's ahead of North Carolina. But anyway. Jason or Adam, round us out, man. You, that, your that, laugh, uh, your laugh is a, uh, your laugh is soul healing, as somebody said in the chat. Man. So carry us through. Yeah, so I don't know if some, I don't know if everyone that I know would agree with it, agree with it, particularly my children. But um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> that interestingly enough, that that December second FSU basketball game is scheduled for two p.m. and obviously the football game is at eight. If if whoever's playing for the ACC title. What I would, my, my two pennies would be this on football uh, because I am, as Evan said, it's crazy to be thinking about basketball into September, but I, I mean, I'm all in football mode. I need to be able to shift gears here. Um, but obviously you would see is on its, its open date this week. So is Miami. Uh, when UNC comes off the bye, they play Syracuse, which I don't think it's going to be an easy proposition, but I think they should win that game. Miami comes off. It's by playing Georgia tech. So, you know, it's like a similar rest schedule, a similar like getting back into it schedule. I think those teams are going to be 5 and 0 playing each other. What day is it? October 14th in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, USA, which it could be, I mean, it could be magnificent around Keenan Stadium. You got live action, I believe, October 13th, which is the night before UNC Miami. Um, so that's my thought. I th- I think we're headed toward I, I know that November looms for Carolina in football, Duke, Clemson, NC State, rightfully so it looms. But I think this Miami thing, I think that's where we're headed toward that. A 5-0 and UNC team, obviously nationally ranked, and a 5-0 and Miami team, nationally ranked. I mean, I think UNC has played some pretty decent competition, have not played a nationally ranked team yet. Um, so I think we could have us a top 25 battle of unbeatens uh, mm-hmm. Beneath the Pines and Keenan Stadium on uh, October 14th. That would be, those would be my two cents. Also, appreciate you guys holding it down. I'm sure you guys did a fantastic job. Evan, Jeremiah, my my road dogs, TA, my mentor in life. Um, <laughs> appreciate you guys doing it up while I was scrambling over here on the keyboard. Yeah. Now, you guys stay busy. You're knocking it out for Inside Carolina, knocking it out for the, the readers, the watchers, the viewers, the listeners. It, it's great time to be at Inside Carolina. To Adam's point, uh, you know, it is still September, but we're about to have double up season and, and uh, overlap season, as we call it at Inside Carolina with basketball, football, just a ton of stuff going on at Inside Carolina. Look, bottom line is it's the best place to be. Go ahead and join Premium if you hadn't. Like, 
the, the YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think somebody asked me the other day, why didn't I get the alert that you guys were live on YouTube? Subscribe, set it to give you the alerts, and you'll always know when we're on here. That's Evan. That's Jeremiah. That's Adam. I'm Tommy. It's been Inside Carolina's On the Beat, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. Peace, folks.